This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer and not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Ephesians chapter number 1. Alright, we're still talking about the born identity. Amen. Ephesians chapter number 1. We talked about the steps to our born identity and we said first you are to know your God and second you are to know who you are in Christ and third you are to know your enemy and put him in his place. Amen. Under your feet. Come on, someone just stomp your feet right here. That's where your en- the enemy is. Amen. And the fourth thing you ought to do is to live from a position of your identity. Now, the book of Ephesians is a very interesting book in the sense that uh, uh, it is the only book that the Apostle Paul wrote that was not written to address a problem. All the other letters that the Apostle Paul wrote were to address a problem. The letter to the church at Corinth was to address issues in the church. People were uh, 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 getting involved in all kinds of sexual sin back then. And not only that, people in the church were taking each other to court. And the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to correct that. If you go to the letter in, uh, uh, he wrote to Timothy, it was because the church folk looked down on Timothy as a young man. And they didn't believe he could deliver the word and lead the church. If you look at the letter to the church in Rome, the Romans, he was dealing with the issue of legalism and grace. It's the same issue with the letter to the Galatians. If you look at the Thessalonians, he was dealing with understanding the principles of the end times. So all the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote were dealing with problems in the church, except the letter to the church at Ephesus. So I, I love the, the, the Ephesians because it just deals with how you and I should live our lives as believers. In fact, the book of Ephesians is divided into two sections. The first uh, three chapters of the book deals with what is called positional truth. In other words, who you are in Christ. And the last three chapters of the book uh, deal with how you can take that and put it into practice. Because God does not want you to be so heavenly focused that you are earthly of no good. So he tells you who you are in Christ. And after he does that, he tells you how you can appropriate that to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be a better employee, to be a better employer, to be a better child. See, because the anointing is not for just to just come to church and cry and feel goosebumps. It's for for us to be better husbands. After you cry and fall after, uh, 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 under the anointing, you are to change your lives. Amen? Amen. So you are to take the, the power of the anointing and channel it to something. Amen? The problem with the church is we like the power in the four corners of the church. The four walls. Amen? It is as a man who owns a super powerful car in their garage. Twelve valve, Baba. 16 cylinder. And you know what they do every morning? They go into that car and switch on the ignition and then rev the car in the garage. And they start screaming and shouting, Power! Power! And they fall under the power. But guess what? The car is still in the garage. 
And then they start writing songs about, send more power. But you haven't done anything with the power that you have. What you need to do is to receive the power of God and channel it towards a purpose. And start influencing people's lives in every sphere. In the government, in the media, in the arts and entertainment. In the religious section, in the marketplace. How many of you know that you should be taking the power of God to the marketplace? The Bible says in Acts 17, verse 17, the apostles went to the marketplace to debate and force the kingdom culture into the marketplace. You know why? Because people bring all kinds of stuff to the marketplace. Some will kill their own mother to get power to bring to the marketplace. And here you are just using the power of God to fall. <laughs> and then you go to the marketplace naked. You'll be defeated. Pastor, you know, I was about to get this deal, but boom, I hit a snag. It's not just natural. Oh, my, my files disappeared. They said my files. No, it's not. See, the marketplace is not natural. It's a spiritual game. That's why God says, bring me 10% and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Because there are devourers in the marketplace. Amen. So your anointing is needed more in your job. Pastor, you know, I was about to get promoted. But something happened. And you think it's just natural. No, it's not. There, are, there is a lot happening in the marketplace. Amen. So Ephesians chapter number 1 verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter number 1 verse 1. Watch what it says. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and to the what? I didn't hear that. No, notice the Apostle Paul is writing to two classes of people. He said first to the brethren or to the saints. And then he says more so to the faithful in Jesus Christ. These are the ones I want to write to, the faithful in Christ. Now there's a difference between the saints and the faithful. If you go to sport, the, the, the saints would be the, the fans. And the faithful will be the team players. So Paul is writing to the team players. Not to the fans. And man, it's such a leadership dilemma to distinguish between the fans and the team players. You know why? Because they both wear the same uniform. (laughs) And you know what else? (laughs) They all exhibit the same level of enthusiasm. So you can't just use happy clappy to to determine someone's faithfulness to the kingdom. Just because you're excited does not mean you're faithful. Amen. <laughs> See, when you become a team player, you know, number one, you don't get your instructions from the fans. Mm. Man, fans take instruction from other fans. Mm. <laughs> and they take counsel from other. Wenger must go. Who said that? My friend who also supports Arsenal. What is the coach and the board saying? Ah, we don't care. We listen to other fans. In a church set up, fans listen to other fans. Gossipers will listen to other gossipers. And guess what? They, will not, they are not the ones moving the kingdom agenda forward. They are the ones slowing it down. Hallelujah. And team players don't listen to fans. Team players listen to their coach. Every pastor must have a pastor. I have a pastor that I go and see. In fact, we went to see him last week with my wife. Because we were doing our first fruits. We went in there. We had a chat. And he's asking me. See, as a, as a coach, he's not my friend. 
He's trying to get my life to move forward. He's asking me all the difficult questions. How's your marriage, Baba? Do you guys have fruit? Are you guys arguing? What's going on? Amen? Because you have to be accountable. Team players are accountable. The, dis- the, the difference between fans and, and team players is that team players are determined. Team players don't just show up on the big day. Fans show up on the big one. <laughs> fans have no business with Monday practice, Tuesday practice. Well, it's in the choir, so I used to sing in the choir. We had fans and team players, even in the choir. The fans wanted when Eric Leach comes. That's when we'll come back and join the choir. <laughs> Amen? Because they, they like the big ones. It's about the big ones. But the team players will play Monday through Friday. They have discipline. They have dedication. They have commitment to the craft. Amen? Amen? And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, I'm writing to the faithful. The ones that are dedicated, the ones that are committed, those are the ones that I'm writing to. And guess what? It's not even about talent. He didn't say I'm writing to the talented ones. Did you see that? It's not about talent. He's writing to the faithful. God does not work with talented people. The foundation for God to use you is faithfulness. The greatest army that God ever built was the army of David. They never lost a battle. And notice which the people he used to build that army. First Samuel chapter number 2 verse 22. Or 22 verse 2. One of the two. Thank you Jesus. Someone shout I'm faithful. First Samuel 22 verse 2. Watch what it says. And everyone who was in what? And everyone who was in what? Dead. And everyone who was what? Discontent gathered to him. Give it to me in the King James Bible. It's much better. King James. It says that everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. Notice it didn't say he gathered them. See, faithful people don't need to be pushed to go and perfect their art. They gather themselves. They are faithful. They gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and they were with him about 400 men. (laughs) Revelations chapter number 17, verse 14. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation 17, verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. God rolls with the faithful. Amen. Second Timothy chapter number 2 verse 12. Second Timothy chapter number 2 verse 2. Actually. Chapter number 2, verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, the same commit to who? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Notice he says, commit to the faithful man who shall be able to teach others also. Notice he didn't say, commit to the able man who shall become faithful. Did you see that? 
God doesn't look for ability. He just looks for faithfulness. When he selects his team players to go and influence different spheres of life, he does not look for, for able men. He looks for faithful men. And there are seven, uh, someone wrote a book called The Seven Mountains of Influence. And this is where the church is going, I believe, in the 21st century, where we're going to be influencing the seven spheres of influence. And the first one was uh, uh, arts and entertainment. We need people in the arts and entertainment industry. The second one was government. How many of you know that we need Christians in government? (laughs) But God is not throwing wimps. You know why? Because he knows in the arena of government, there are people coming with all kinds of tactics from whichever kingdom they belong. There are people who are willing to stab you in the back, uh, control, manipulate witchcraft, and even murder you to get your position in government. So God does not send wimps or fans in that arena. Someone is saying, Lord, why aren't you sending me? Are you for real? Do you really want to go there? Amen. In the marketplace, God would rather have you just be in the peripherals, you know, eating crumbs. Because he knows if he brings you to the billions, the game changes totally. (laughs) See, it's spiritual. Amen. It's spiritual. And when he brings you in there, you better be faithful. You better be ready to fight because it's only the faithful that will have the ability. It's only the faithful that God will impart a supernatural ability to so that they are able to stand their ground. Amen. Amen. So we need to be a faithful people as the church. And their synonyms for faithfulness, they're simple. Uh, uh, There's dependability. Are you dependable? Can God depend on you? Are you reliable? Reliability. Amen. Amen. Are you trustworthy? These are synonyms for faithfulness. Because if you're not trustworthy, guess what? God can't use you. There's a gentleman called Gideon. And Gideon was faced with about 100,000 strong from the Midianites. They were coming to, to, to take land and fight with them. And uh, God told him, he said, uh, look on your army and count them. And Gideon counted them. And they were about 32,000 strong. And even right there, they were already outnumbered. Amen. And then God said to him, I want you now, Gideon, to tell everyone who wants to go back home to go home. (laughs) But God, (laughs) Lord, we are 32,000. They are 100,000. You are telling me to give the people the liberty to go home? Are you insane? And he said, okay, I'm going to trust. I'm going to do what you say, Lord. And he said, whoever wants to go home, please go. You know how many left? 22,000. Thank you, sir. And they picked up their swords and went home. So he was left with 10,000. And you know what God said to him? He said, still too many. But God, 10,000 versus 100,000, still too many? He said, still too many. Take them to the brook and ask them to drink water. Whoever gets consumed in the drinking of water. You know, the Bible says uh, a soldier does not get himself entangled in the affairs of civilians. So he says, whoever gets himself consumed in, in trying to make a quick buck, in trying to get this position. Once you start yourself get, getting yourself consumed in something, watch this, that is necessary. Is it necessary to pay your bills? 
Yes, it is. But don't get consumed in it. Is it necessary to drink water? Yes, it is. But don't get, get consumed in it. That's all he's saying. The people that were consumed in what was necessary, he said, send them home. 9,700 went home. And the dude was left with three wire, Baba. This is 100,000. And God says, these are the ones I can work with. Because God is not looking for talent. He's just looking for people who are faithful. People who don't get themselves consumed in what is necessary. Listen, when you go into the marketplace to make money, at the top of your priority should be, I'm going to make this money to pull this money so I can bring it into the kingdom of God. That's your number one priority. You're not going to the marketplace to pull money to buy yourself a nice car. You're going into the marketplace to pull money so you can uh, uh, bring it to the kingdom of God so that God can fulfill His agenda with the money that you pull from there. And you have to put that at the top of priority list if God is going to use you in the marketplace. Otherwise, stay in the peripherals where you eat breadcrumbs and be an analyst. Now you can be an analyst. What, what is it called? John Doe? What is it called? Don't law. What is it called? The, 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 the analysts that uh, measure the stocks and so on and so forth. You can just talk from the outside. Dow Jones? Yeah, just Dow Jonesing. <laughs> With other fans, amen? While the people that are faithful watch this to their kingdom. You're going to have to make a decision. If you are faithful to the kingdom of darkness... Are you going to play right at the center? You either going to have to be evil <laughs> or be faithful to God to bring the necessary power into the marketplace. It's as simple as that. You're going to have to be a Lady Gaga extreme or a Ron Kennelly extreme. You have to be a prayer warrior if you come into the arts and entertainment industry. You just have to take a stand. And if you are faithful, God will take Heinz uh, 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 Winkler. Was, it, was that his name? The white boy from the middle of the bush. They asked him, they said, what's your favorite cologne? He was on idols. And he declared that Jesus Christ is my Lord. He was the first one. They asked him, they said, what's your favorite cologne? He said, brute. A, a boy from the middle of the bush who thinks brute is a cologne. He will win it. You know why? Because he's faithful. He took a stand. They asked him, they said, what's your favorite food? He says, bruvos. <laughs> but guess what? He was faithful to his kingdom. And guess what? With his outdatedness, he won because he took a stand. A lot of people will come in there and say, are you a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian, but you know, you know, it's okay. I'm a, you know, I'm a positive musician. <laughs> positive songs. I just sing positive songs. Amen. You're going to have to be faithful. Tell your neighbor that. Be faithful. Tell your other neighbor. Be faithful. So God is looking for faithfulness. And you must understand this. This race is not a hundred meter dash. It is not a hundred meter dash. This is the reason why God is looking for faithfulness. You see, the difference between a hundred meters and a marathon is that in a hundred meters, it happens so quickly. You know, you get six dudes out there and then boom. When your marks get set, go, boom. And then they get to the end of the line, and whoever the winner is celebrates, and people go home. 
But in a marathon, yes, what happens? The Bible, uh, uh, you, you, you let them loose at the beginning and they start running. And as they run, typically, if you look at comrades, there are people cheering them on on both sides of the road. And they're cheering them on to spur them so that they can keep going. And, and the marathon runners here will tell you, the ones that we run every Saturday morning with, that every time you run, you don't run against someone else's time. You're not running against Henry. You're not running against Leanne. You're running against your own personal time. In other words, when you come into the field, you have to be faithful to your own calling. You can't be comparing yourself to... In fact, the Bible says they that compared themselves to others were unwise in their dealings. Amen? You have to run your own race against your own time. And here's what happens. The, the people on the side of the road, they don't only cheer the winner. They cheer everybody. Yeah. Everybody who's passing, they're cheering them on. Go, go, go. Please go, please go. And then when you get to the finish line, <laughs> this is what's funny. In the 100 meters, they only cheer the winner. In the marathon, sometimes they even cheer the, the last person to cross the line louder than they cheered the first person to cross the line. You know why? Because in that race, it's not about winning. It's about finishing. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I've run the race and I've finished my course. Amen. That's right. So you have to find out what God has called you to do and be faithful to it so that you can finish the course. And if you finish the course, guess what? You've accomplished what God created. It's not about time. We don't have a time limit. You don't put a time uh, a span to God's promises. You just keep running. Amen? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, keep, keep running, man. Keep running. Keep running. At your own pace. Amen? Next verse. Uh, in fact, let's go quickly now to Matthew chapter number 23. Where were we? Second Timothy? Okay, let's read this. Let's read this. Notice God does not commit, does not commit high level information to uh, uh, talented people. He commits it to faithful men. All you have to do is to be faithful with what God has given you. Amen? Matthew chapter number 25, verse 23. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter number 25, verse 23. Watch what it says. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and what? Faithful servant. Thou hast been what? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Here's another principle for marketplace people. It is not your boss that is promoting you. God said, you have been faithful with the little things. I will make you ruler over much. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. The heart of people that own your promotion is in the hands of the Lord. And when you are faithful to God, God will speak to them. The Bible says to uh, uh, God, uh, a word came to Elijah. And Elijah was, called to, was told to go to the brook Sheriff. And, and God told him there, the ravens will feed you there. Yeah. And if you study, if you know anything about ravens, ravens are the most selfish animal in the whole entire world. 
The first bird that was sent when Noah wanted to see if the water's uh, level had gone down was a raven. And you know what? It never came back. Because ravens don't care about anybody else. And you know what God did? He went and used the most selfish bird. He's trying to make a point. That's right. Amen. The most selfish bird is the one that he used to feed Elijah. God can take the most unlikely situation for promotion and promote you just to make a point. But you're going to have to be faithful with the least. This is good stuff. All right. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. Thank you, Jesus. And I thank... Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Did you see that? He enabled me. For that he counted me faithful. The reason he enabled me was because he had found me faithful. God always releases his anointing for increase to faithful people. You know, a lot of people come to me, a lot of young people say, Hey, Pastor, in fact, one of our friends, uh, Brother Henry will tell you, we run with him and so on as a businessman. He's always saying, Hey, Pastor, please give me a platform. Please give me a platform. Pastor, you must give me. So I asked him, I said, What is a platform? said, a platform to minister the gospel. I said, man, look, at our offices, we have open plans. So everyone is in there. I said, look around you. Look at all this platform. <laughs> Preach to them. But he doesn't want to. You know why? Because it's about him. It's not about being faithful with what God has given him. What message has God given you that you have not been faithful in? What talents has God given you that you have not been faithful in? Because you're waiting for the bigger one. (laughs) Amen. I'm waiting for the bigger one. That's when I'm going to be faithful. No. You have to be faithful where we are. Amen. And I'm telling you, man, this church, this church is one of the most talented churches. But all of that, man, I I know, I know, I know, because I know how most of you are doing at work. I know people that travel across the world to play music and so on and so forth. I know people, in fact, we have the engineering section, the lawyers section, the, 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 everyone, almost everyone in here is doing something big. I know that. We have Harvard, INSEAD, we have people that have built uh, 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 power plants in South Africa. They are in here. Some of them are ashes. You won't even know it. Some of them come in and connect cables. You think they are fools? Some of them work the projector. Top level cats. You know why? Because it's not about talent and qualification. It's about faithfulness. So you could be talented so much so that you change the world in your field. But guess what? If you're not faithful, there's not going to be any promotion in that arena. Amen? You have to be faithful. Above your talent, you have to be faithful. Amen? I said, Amen. So he said, he has enabled me, for he counted me to be faithful, putting me into ministry. It is God that counts you faithful, and it is him that will place you into ministry. 
you know, my, my little nephew, Michael, uh, came a few months ago and he said, hey, uh, Uncle Tafar, I want to start serving. And I said, where do you want to serve? He says, I want to serve in the multimedia. And I said, have you ever worked a job? He says, no, I haven't worked a job. I said to him, um, uh, so have you ever been fired? He says, no, I have never been fired. I said, yes, I will work here. You're going to have to be here at 8.30 a.m. in the morning if you want to serve, or this will be the first job you'll ever be fired. <laughs> and he went home and he told his parents, he said, I have to be at church at 8.30 or I'll be fired. <laughs> Amen. I'll be fired. I don't want to be fired. I know I'm not getting paid anything, but still, I do not want to be fired <laughs> from working in the house of God. Amen? <laughs> Don't be fired. See, because if you get fired working in the house of God, you have no chance out there. Amen. I'm telling you, you have no chance out there. Because here you're working for free. You know what? If you get fired where people are begging for people to serve, please come and serve. Ah, but you, ah, you know what? <laughs> you, it's okay. <laughs> Everyone else, please come. If you get fired in a place like that, in the world, you have no chance. Amen? <laughs> you know, all kinds of people come to us for counseling. And one of the things I tell people that are particularly looking for promotion or looking for a job is, have you employed yourself in the house of God? That's right. That's right. And they say, oh, well, pastor, you know, I'm still thinking about it. And I say, well, that's the same out there. God is still thinking about it concerning placing you. Because he's not sure what you will do. Amen? Oh, Pastor T, I've employed myself. How are you doing? What's your HOD? If we were to ask your HOD to write a report about you, what would it say? And guess what? Whatever your HOD would tell us, if we go to your job and ask your boss, it will probably be similar. Because what you do in the list, you will exactly do in the match. If God himself can't motivate you, I can guarantee you your salary will not motivate you. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much they pay you. Amen? So this faithful principle is key. So the Apostle Paul said, hey, I'm writing to the brethren, but more so to the faithful ones. Amen? Amen. Now go back to Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1, now from verse 3 to 6. Watch what it says. It says, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Notice two things there. It says he has blessed us in what? In the heavenly places. Where else? In Christ. And what, what I want you to also pay attention to is that blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has past tense. And you will see when he did it. Just as he chose us in him, in him, someone say in him. <laughs> Notice he didn't choose you. He didn't choose you. He chose you in him. So in other words, he chose Christ. And if you choose Christ, you become the chosen in him. Did you see that? So he didn't bless you. He blessed Christ. And if you choose Christ, you become the blessed in him. It's going to go to predestination. He didn't predestinate you. He predestinated Christ. And if you choose Christ, you become the predestinated in him. So Jesus didn't say, I mean, God is not a respecter of persons. He didn't sit in heaven and say, hell, heaven, hell, heaven, hell, 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 heaven. No. No. No, he didn't do that. There are some who believe it. There's a gentleman called Joel, John Calvin. It's called Calvinism. 
he believes that, but that's foolish. Because there, there's so much evidence in scripture that God has given you and me choice. Not only that, the Bible says in Titus 2.11, the salvation of God has appeared to all men. And not only that, the Bible says God is not slack concerning his promises, but, but he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone to be saved. So he offered a predestination in Christ, and when you choose Christ, you become predestined in him. And if you read uh, Romans 9, verse 29, uh, it says, For whom he foreknew, those he predestined. So the foundation is not even predestination. It's foreknowledge. Amen? Watch what it says. It says, And he chose him before the foundations of the world, that he should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to himself, according to the pleasure of his will, to the praise of of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. I want you to see what happened. Number one, God blessed you. Someone shout, I am blessed. I am blessed. Number two, God chose you. Someone shout, I am chosen. I am chosen. Number three, God predestinated you. Someone shout, I am predestined, I am predestined. To, be a success. to be a success. Number four, God accepted you in the beloved. Someone shout, I am accepted. I am Amen. And he says, after he blessed you, he stored these blessings in a place called heavenly places. How many of you know that we are in the world, but we are not of it? We are ambassadors in the world. Now, here's what happens to an ambassador. When you're an ambassador, uh, uh, you have a choice. Not only do you have uh, what is called uh, uh, legal immunity. What is it called? Diplomatic immunity. You have diplomatic In other words, you cannot be arrested unless you want to. What does it mean for God's children? It, it means we cannot, Satan cannot legally put sickness on us unless we choose to cooperate. We have, we have uh, uh, diplomatic immunity to poverty unless we choose it. See, a diplomat can say, ah, okay, arrest me, then they'll be arrested. In fact, the Bible says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God. So, in, in essence, if they want to arrest you on the streets, all you have to do is drive back to the uh, embassy. Once you drive in, you are no longer in that land. You are now in your own country, even if it's in another country. What do we as children of God have to do? We just have to run back into his, under his shadows. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And when we are in there, guess what? We have diplomatic immunity again, because we are no longer in the world, but we are in it. Amen. And part of the deal, if you are a diplomat, is that you choose uh, where you want your salary to be deposited. You can say, you know, I want 10% here, 90% in, in, in America or in Angola, depending on uh, which country you represent. Amen. And, and uh, 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 I have a question. Now, let's say you say I want 15% here and 85% in my home country. And if you run out of money here, what can you do to make sure that you are still supplied? Just a question. The bankers will be able to answer this. You can use Visa or MasterCard. All you have to do is find an ATM and withdraw money from your bank back home. Amen? So it's the same principle. All you have to do, God has carefully stored your blessings in heavenly places. All you have to do is to go back and withdraw whenever you need. In fact, the Bible says, uh, man, this is awesome. It says you will supply all your need according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That word need is simply the word demand. God only supplies a demand. 
when you go to the ATM and you press uh, your PIN number 0082, oh, I shouldn't have told you that. That might be. <laughs> I'm going to have to change it. <laughs> Amen. You go and press that. <laughs> you go and press that. Man, you place a demand to that ATM. You say, I want 400 rand. And then the ATM will bring you 400 rand based on your demand. It's the same principle. God will release to you based on the demand you place on him. That's why he's called El Shaddai. The word El Shaddai means the heavily breasted one. You know, I learned uh, just last week that uh, uh, a mother can breastfeed a child for up to 10 years. As long as there is a demand. As long as the child wants to drink, there is going to be milk. But if the child stops drinking, the milk stops coming out. It's the same principle with God. Whenever there is a demand, money will come. But when you start placing a demand on God's anointing, it will stop. Does it mean milk has run out? No. It means you have stopped placing a demand on God. Amen. So God carefully stored it in heavenly places. Now here's the deal. You should not be concerned if money runs out in this world because guess what? You have a secure bank account. But you should be concerned when you uh, uh, can't access your bank account back home. And there are several reasons you cannot access your, your bank account back home. Change of regulations maybe back home. <laughs> Amen. But guess what? God is not changing any regulations back home. Here's the other reason why you, can't, you won't be able to access your money back home. Maybe you, kept, you haven't used that card for so long. The money is still in, 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 in your bank account. Maybe you haven't used that card for so long, you have forgotten the, the, the password, the pin. The, the, the <laughs> zero, zero, 008. <laughs> now I have to change this. That's all you heard. This awesome. <laughs> I need to check your notes. <laughs> what time is this? <laughs> so guess what? Unless you've forgotten the pin, what is the pin? The pin is his word. You can't be rusty concerning the word. Because if you forget the pin number, then you won't be able to access your money. Whose money is it? Yours. I didn't hear that. Yours. So is it still your money? Yes. Man, this is why the Bible says God, when we get to heaven, God will wipe tears off of our eyes. Yeah. You know why? Because yeah. most people will realize the car they could have driven. <laughs> most people will realize the house they could have lived in. Yeah. And they will ask John, John, are you telling me that this car belonged to me. <laughs> and John will say, yes, he did. So, so what did I need? To, what was I supposed to do? All you needed to do was to be in faith. Yeah. And people will burst out crying. Yeah. My way! <laughs> and God will have to wipe tears off of people's eyes. Say, ah, oh, this house. You're telling me I could have lived in this house? Yes, you could have. All you needed to do was to have faith for it. You forgot the password. Amen? Amen. Okay, one more scripture. Uh, let's go to verse 7 of chapter number 2. Watch what he says. Verse 7 of chapter number 2. Uh, in him, in him 
We have redemption. Is this chapter number 2? From verse... What about chapter number 3, verse 7? <clears throat> no, let's go to chapter number 2, verse 4. <clears throat> Some few scriptures that describe your identity. But God, who is rich in mercy... In fact, go, go to verse 1. Go to verse 1. I want you to see who you were before... Uh, but God. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice that's past tense. That's who you were. In which uh, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Next verse. Among whom also we have uh, once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Next verse. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace have you been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So positionally, you are seated in heavenly places together with Christ Jesus. Next verse. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Everything is in Christ. So all you have to do is to choose Christ to access it. Next verse. For by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 19. Not of works lest any man should boast. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. Give it to me in the Message Bible. That's, is that plain enough? Isn't it? You are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and is using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. Next verse. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. Everybody is welcome. That holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. Chapter number 3 verse 14. My response to you is to get down on my knees before the Father... This magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask Him to strengthen you by His Spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite Him in. And I ask Him that with both feet planted firmly on love. You'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath 
test its length, plumb its depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do how many? I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. God can do anything you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Did you see that? God is able to do whatever request you can place before his table, even in your wildest dreams. Just think of something stupendously wild. God can do more than that. So the limiter is not God. The limiter is us. Amen. Watch what it says. He does it not by pushing us around. This is the key. God will not force anyone into anything. He does not do it by pushing us around. Some of you are saying, Lord, make me. No, no, the Lord won't make you. All you have to do is become available. He doesn't do it by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Next verse. Glory to God in the church. Next verse. In light of all this. Okay, we're done. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.